0: Podcast. kia ora koutou katoa and welcome to our 10th podcast for the ordinary saints podcast today is a very special day to celebrate our 10th podcast because we have a special guest with us today we have grace cox so hello and welcome grace
1: hi thanks for having me so, Grace, to kick us off, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so, I am part of the Ordinary Saints community. I'm a practicing Anglican. I go to Holy Trinity Cathedral and St. Andrews and Epsom. Um, I'm also part of ADJUST, the Anglic. I don't know the abbreviation. Diocese project.
0: of Auckland, Young <laughs> Anglicans
1: for Social Justice. There we go. There we go. I'm obviously quite new
0: to ADJUST. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: What else? I, I am a kind of a community worker in the community. Um, <laughs> where else you do community work other than the? Well, community. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So work alongside communities in Central Auckland, and I'm also training at the moment towards ordination. Hopefully, maybe if they let me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well,
0: we'll you know we'll definitely give you a good word. <laughs> no, I'm totally biased. Yeah. So it's awesome to have Grace here. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about Anglican activism. And recently, Grace, I believe you gave a talk about this at DTP. Now, before we move on, let's talk about what DTP is, just because that is a random cryptic term that people might not understand.
1: So DTP is the Diocesan Training Program. So it's part of the Formational Program Towards Ordination. There's a couple of pathways towards ordination, and that's that's one of them. So we meet once a month for a weekend, and part of that is you've got to give a seminar, among other things. So mine was on prophets and protest.
0: Nice. What an amazing topic. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you spoke about during this session?
1: I guess I wanted to link the prophetic tradition in the Bible to um, activism today and activism in our tradition of activism. So I spoke about prophetic hope and prophetic critique and how we see that in Action today.
2: What do you mean by prophetic hope and prophetic critique?
1: Great question. So, with the writings of the prophets, there, they speak about a lot of stuff. But there's two kind of broad categories of prophetic critique, um, so essentially talking about what's going wrong around them um, and warning of the possible consequences of that, and then prophetic hope speaking to kind of the hope of the suffering that they're enduring at the moment. So Grace, can you tell us a little bit
0: about what was the best part for you in preparing this seminar? Because I know that you're really passionate about it, and I'm really excited to hear more, but what, what about preparing this was the most exciting for you.
1: So it probably would be looking more into some cool people that we have had in our tradition of activism. Um so one of the key people is the Reverend Doctor George Armstrong. He is the most incredible human, I think. And yeah, he's just turned ninety and he has such a cool history and legacy of Activism, Absolutely.
0: I think George is just a brilliant guy. And I know, Grace, you and I have actually had the privilege of being at his place recently and uh, hanging out with him and his wife
1: and being able to hear some of his stories firsthand. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, the way he speaks is just um, beautiful about the his commentary on the times that he was going through is, is awesome. But also just his nonchalantness around and kind of just naivety around... Um, what these protests could lead to in the future, which I think is awesome. He's very humble and, and just lovely.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. He has a real sense that, oh, what I was doing was really small and insignificant. Uh, but now for us, especially as young people, young adults, looking back on what he's done and the significance of what he's done and the way that he's paved the way, I guess, for us to engage in activism in our own way is very special and really significant
1: absolutely and I think with him he's he's done a lot of stuff I mean at 90 there's a lot of time there um he's done heaps but I think two of the really key things that he did was around the nuclear free New Zealand movement and also some stuff around the springbok tour in 1981 let's talk more about that so where should we start so the the nuclear free New Zealand movement started probably first cause chronologically is always good right yeah sure let's go for it so the cool thing with the nuclear free New Zealand movement was so George was a spokesperson for the peacemakers he helped kind of coordinate and speak to the media around around this movement so it was against these nuclear ships that were, want- or vessels really, that were wanting to come into New Zealand harbors, and it was all these independent people with their boats heading out into the Waitemata harbor and saying, "No, you can't come in." And there's this beautiful imagery of of people on these little vessels. There's people climbing onto the submarine, and great images of George with a mic megaphone, microphone, megaphone, yeah, <laughs> megaphone yeah. out there. And then this was uh, coordinated with a, a land protest as well. And it was under over a number of years. It was like. Almost like a decade, I think. And eventually led to us being declared as a nuclear free country, which is awesome. Yeah, it's so amazing. And I know
0: the photos that you're referencing, the one with George with the megaphone, but also with uh, on his boat with another person and a big sign as well. And it's just, there's such incredible images of a community rallying together, each in their humble little vessels to take on these enormous military vessels.
2: Yeah, I think part of the reason why history remembers this movement so fondly is because it was so amazingly successful, right?
1: Absolutely. We were declared nuclear-free in 1984, um, and there were some really iconic moments around this big debate. There was, was it David Longy? Um, and the I-can-smell-the-uranium-on-your-breath quote, which is just so iconic. So yeah, incredible to have such a key figure from the Anglican Church as part of, as part of that
2: movement. So what was George's role in the Springbok tour?
1: He was part of the protest in Hamilton on, at Rugby Park. There's some really cool images of him well, being escorted off the field by police.
2: Um, so for listeners who may not be familiar with the Springbok tour, in 1981, a team from South Africa were coming to New Zealand to play rugby. The Springboks is the name of their team, and they were coming here. And the issue at the time was really to do with apartheid in South Africa, where there was segregation of African people and Afrikaans. Uh, within their community. It was essentially a racist system.
1: So this caused a huge amount of debate in New Zealand. There were definitely two very staunch sides to the debate. There was one side that felt that politics and rugby shouldn't mix, and there was the other side that said that this tour was completely wrong and completely racist, essentially.
2: Yeah, so lots of people saw this as an opportunity to actually protest, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, so the protest started um, from the very day that the Spring Rock team arrived in Auckland. So in this, we saw... A protest at the Auckland Airport, and at that, the Anglican Church was represented in that with the Melanesian Cross.
2: What's a Melanesian Cross?
1: So the Melanesian Cross was made in 1947 in Melanesia, um, and it was presented to St John's Theological College in memory of Henry West and Douglas Robinson. Um, so Henry West died while in Melanesia, um, he drowned, and Douglas Robinson died at war
2: um, in World War Two. And so this cross got taken on protests?
1: From what we know, it was first taken out to protest the arrival of the Springbok, Rugby team at Auckland Airport. In this particular protest, there was a bit of a scuffle, um, and the cross was damaged. In a later protest, it wasn't able to be. This cross wasn't able to be used, um, so we had a different cross protesting at that occasion.
0: So it seems that these crosses became part of the history of Anglican activism, because as we're going to go into now, I think there are a number of crosses involved in
1: protests from that point. Right. I mean, the cross is hugely significant to the Christian tradition and is a massive symbol Um, out in public, really. It gets a decent amount of attention at protests um, and lots of cool conversations are starting because of those.
0: Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting the way that's shifted. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit as well later on, just how the cross is a
1: really powerful symbol in general. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think um, the Melanesian cross itself, it's a beautiful cross so it's got this white detailing it's from mother of pearl and it's got kind of triangles and diamonds on it Um, and it was explained to me that the front of the cross is symbolizing christ as light leading your pathway which i think is quite beautiful particularly in protest
0: yeah, that's a beautiful image, especially given how many protests that particular cross has been on since 1941. But before we talk about those, uh, let's talk a bit more about the cross, the other cross that made an appearance during the Springbok tour.
1: So, the other cross, I don't think it has an official name. I refer to it as the cross that stormed the pitch. I don't know. Yeah, if that's, that's the courage. way i refer to it too. It was a cross that was put together in the garage at, at, at a garage in St. John's Theological College and was hopped into a car and taken down to Hamilton to protest the Springboks versus All Blacks rugby game. And so what happened in this protest was they stormed the pitch by like forcing down this fence and stormed the pitch to stop play so they couldn't play the game. And there's this incredible footage of it happening. It was a really violent response that came from the police. There was tear gas, there was people being um, escorted off the field. So George Armstrong, there's a, a photo of him being removed from the field by police. So the Cross that stormed the pitch, there were three students from St. John's Theological College. They were dressed in cassocks, so with the black robe, and took this cross. They were tackled, not a, a pleasant experience for them, probably, but they were there to protest against the, the injustice of the, of the event, really.
0: Yeah, now there's, the, there's a couple of really iconic photos from then as well. The first one uh, that comes to mind is of the cross actually storming the pitch. And of course, it's almost like the cross is in free fall, you know, along with the people who are who are carrying it. And you kind of imagine it in motion, this all of them going down, you know, being sort of tackled. And I believe that cross was broken as well.
1: I believe so as well. I and mean, then I think it's now in Te Papa, as last I heard.
0: It was not Te Papa. It's now back in the Kinder Library archives, I believe. But yes, it was in Te Papa, and it was displayed as part of a um, Springbok tour display. And it was displayed broken. So we know that at some point in that protest, the cross was broken.
1: Yeah, because I think the images that I've seen of it have been prior to its when it's been broken so there was the tackling initially and it was intact then and then they were standing at the the front of the group that were protesting and the cross was held really high and proud in front of the crowd
0: yeah from what I've seen and I've touched and held this cross it's very heavy very heavy to hold incredibly robust so the thought of it breaking means wow that would have been a very potentially violent protest. The other uh, pretty awesome photo is of George, as you say, and he is not just being escorted off the field, but there's another one where he's got his arms wide out and he's confronting a line of police and he's yelling at the top of his lungs. Uh, And I remember seeing a post from George about that particular photo and he said that he didn't know what to say, but he wanted to say something. And so he ended up saying something like, We're all just human beings. And I remember thinking, reflecting on my own experience of protest, as a clergy person especially, and thinking, yeah, there's that tension of, what do I say in this moment? And you kind of just say whatever comes to mind. But that's a really profound thing to say. We're all just human beings.
2: So that's not the end of the story, of course, because we have a bunch of other crosses that are going out on protests, or in fact, some of these crosses have gone out on multiple protests, right? So how does the story carry on?
1: There is a number of protests that the Melanesian cross has been on since. So the next one that I'm aware of is the Arms Expo in 2019 in Palmerston North. And Sarah, you were present at that protest.
0: Yeah. So in 2018, I was there at the Arms Expo. Of course, it wasn't called the Arms Expo, but that's what we ended up calling it because we thought that That's exactly what it was. You know, it was just a whole bunch of military weapons being put on display for people all around the world to come and view and, I guess, to see their prospects for furthering war. And so we felt really strongly that... There shouldn't be this focus on profiting from war. Now, there was a particular company called Lockheed Martin that we were particularly frustrated about, who produces a whole bunch of drones that cause an infinite amount of damage. So Lockheed Martin was really invested in this particular expo. We actually took the Melanesian Cross in a van all the way to Palmerston North from St. John's College. We left very early in the morning and got there. And then we stayed the night the night before at uh, a friend's house and we produced a banner that we were going to take behind the Melanesian cross. We actually ended up illustrating a crucified Jesus image on what was a Lockhead Martin bomb and two rifles constructed like a cross with a Christ figure hanging off it. And the Christ figure was looked more like a child. And that was quite intentional. And then on the side, it said, guide our feet into the way of peace. And so we took that banner along. It was a big banner along with the Melanesian cross. And I held it that day, actually, which was pretty special. And I wore an alb <laughs> because, you know, I wanted that to be something that stood out. I think when you are at protests, not only are those symbols powerful, but they're also there's a bit of theatre, a bit of theatrical play when you go to protest because you want to be seen, you want to be noticed, and you want to make a statement. So those things all combined, I think, were, were quite effective at doing that. Now, there was one particular moment that I really loved, and it was when we were at a particular gate, there were multiple gates to the expo, and a few of them had been blocked off, some of the barriers had been pushed down, etc., and there was a vigil that was being held at one of the gates by a group of Catholics, and they had this kind of wonderful shrine-looking thing with you know icons, and they had a little liturgy that they were praying together. That was a really wonderful thing to join in on because what we realized is that there was a huge Christian presence at this protest. And it wasn't long before we got the word that there were a couple of gates that were attempted to be used by these big buses, bringing all these people to come and view these weapons. So one by one, we would be alerted to various gates that we needed to turn our attention to. And so there were walkie-talkies. It was quite well organised. And so at one point we scooted off to another gate because the one we were currently at, a car had been pulled up and then there was a big metal pipe on the back seat and two protesters stuck their hands inside it from opposite ends and handcuffed themselves inside so that there was no way that they could be moved for a long amount of time. That was one gate dealt with. That was fine. But then we had to find another gate that was um, attempting to be entered into. We found our way around to this gate before the buses started to arrive. And there were already police there anticipating <laughs> that we would be there. We were the sort of first on the scene and we stood right in the middle of the entrance, had the Melanesian cross in the center with the sign. There's a photo of this, which I've treasure now, but in hindsight, it was all just part of the action. And eventually when the buses came, the police were asking us to move. Now. It was tricky because we'd had a discussion about this. Who's going to be arrested? Who's not? We need to be quite careful with the Melanesian cross because it's fragile. It's been, you know, it's old. It's been used in a lot of protests. And so we were a bit worried that we weren't going to be able to hold up that gate. Now, I don't know who it was, but someone walkie-talkied a whole bunch of other people and all these people showed up. And when the buses came to pull in, there were a bunch of young people that just jumped on and under the bus to stop it coming in. And that delayed things by a few hours. Now there were many arrests around that, but I think through it all, it was incredible experience to be there and to be part of that. And eventually the police sort of won, I guess. um, And we had this bus driving through the gate. And a whole bunch of people had been arrested by then. And all I could do was hold up the Melanesian cross right up to the bus window as everyone drove past. And a whole bunch of people were just saying, shame, shame, shame. And, (laughs) I mean, that was, you know, a little bit like what uh, George said. You know, we're all just human. That was all we could come up with. It was just we were feeling crushed and depleted that this gate had been broken through um, at all attempts to hold off these buses. But in reality, it had worked. They had been stalled for four, five hours from getting in, which was most of the day. So that was a success in many ways. But there were lots of happenings around that. There was also a big march. Bishop Justin from Wellington did a big speech, among many others, and it was an incredible opportunity to be a part of.
2: So my impression was that the Melanesian Cross had been a little bit dormant for a few years before it had that sort of big outing but then it did uh, get gathered up and used in uh, the following years in a number of ways so what are some of the other events that have happened where the Melanesian cross has been present again
1: so I think the next one would have been the school strike for climate in 2019 which was essentially a, it was a, a global movement from my understanding led by young people to I guess highlight the the climate crisis that we are amongst at the moment and the need for action um, urgently on that for the Anglican Church, we started that protest at Holy Trinity Cathedral. There was prayers in the morning which were led by Bishop Ross and people gathered to make signs. So we started at the cathedral and uh, marched from there to Aotea Square um, and then down Queen Street uh, with a huge amount of other people. I remember that protest and thinking
0: gosh, this is huge. There were about 80,000 people there just on Queen Street. Just going back to Holy Trinity Cathedral uh, I know that it Just had facilitated along with Karakia for Our Climate those prayers that morning. But also So Bishop Ross commissioned and blessed us, didn't he? He did. And it was quite a beautiful blessing as well. Uh, I I think I might read it out just because it really captured the day, but also it poses quite a nice challenge for us. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world, so that you can do what others claim cannot be done.
2: So I know in uh, the, a year later... Uh, 2020, there were two more protests where the Melanesian Cross was taken. And in fact, my understanding is these were the last two protests that the cross was taken on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. These were the Black Lives Matter protests. So we did two protests. So the, the first one was in June. It was organized over what about two days and there was a huge turnout. So we met at Aotea Square again. There were some speeches to start us off and then we marched from there to the American consulate. But there were so many people that most of us weren't able to even get onto Key Street where the consulate is. So I think we were kind of standing by Birking on, on Queen Street for a long time. <laughs> and really just the cries for, for justice and for peace at that protest were haunting. And then a few weeks later, there was the, the second, slightly more organised Black Lives Matter protest. So, for this one, we gathered at St. Matt's in the city, and again, we, we shared prayers and then headed to the protest.
2: Yeah, I remember particularly our friend uh, Niasha, who's a priest in the diocese, um, spoke at St. Matt's, and again, yeah, very, very powerful about her experience of being black woman living in New Zealand
1: I think what really struck me about that those two series of protests was how it echoed protests globally we weren't the only place having protests there were thousands of them and by all means ours were probably a lot more toned down than those in the likes of the states where where it was really it turned really violent I mean there was a huge amount of resistance to to that movement whereas here we had the police there ensuring that things were going okay and there were no um, Injuries that I'm aware of at all from that, and it didn't get turned violent at all.
0: Yeah, it was a it was an incredible day. I, I loved the fact that we could gather to pray beforehand and adjust put together a liturgy for that to happen, and that was really profound. I remember we also did an extended silence. Jeremy Harris, who was part of Adjust at the time, held a silence for eight minutes and forty six seconds, which was the time that it took George Floyd to die. And that was an incredibly profound experience to be in a large church and to have all of those people, but yet complete silence and reverence and awe, I guess, for what we were there to do. And after you know some more prayers, uh, Jacynthia Murphy also opened as well with a bit of karakia. We were able to take the Melanesian cross straight from Niasha's sharing to the street basically and moved down to Altier Square what I loved as well was just the I guess the cross-section of the Anglican Church that was present and you know I remember the children that were there and you know people of across the full age spectrum just engaging in this protest and of course it wasn't without controversy I think there were some people that that really struggled with particularly the anti police vibe that sort of erupts inevitably at these protests but for me I think even hearing that stuff I, I felt that it was really important to hear it I felt that it was really important to hear the anger and the frustration from the communities that black communities but also you know pe- from people of color who have experienced discrimination at the hands of the police and so for me it was just about bearing witness to that pain The march was incredible, huge again, and, you know, taking a knee uh, and also ending with some incredible speeches as well, not just at the beginning of the march, but at the end. For me, I just felt really humbled to be able to be there, and what was really cool as well was the Melanesian cross was passed between so many hands at that protest, but it was an ongoing point of reference for us, so if anyone got lost or lagged behind or anything, it was like, oh, there's the cross, we can sort of navigate back to where that is. But overall, I was just so touched by the turnout. So that's a bit about the BLM protests. But Richard mentioned before that those were the last protests that the Melanesian Cross was used in.
1: Yeah, so I think it's been mentioned a couple of times. The Melanesian Cross is quite old and fragile. The mother of pearl that is on on the cross that's been uh, falling out at protests and it's been lost. So I guess the decision's been made that it needs to be preserved because of the, the amazing history it has.
0: Yeah, and the the cross itself has actually been bracketed back together because one of the arms of the cross did break off at one point, and it has. You can see if you look closely at the cross that it's got four brackets on each side to kind of hold it together. And I actually noticed even at the arms expo protest that it was very wobbly, that you'd stand it up and it would sort of have this give to it. And it started to worry me a bit. But as the protests went on, even though they weren't sort of violent protests, just the use, the general use and wear and tear of this cross was becoming really apparent.
1: And also as a a protest cross, it's quite a heavy cross to carry around with you. It's you, have, you usually have like a waistband with a kind of a pocket to help you hold it because it's very heavy. So over Easter 2021, A Just and Ordinary Saints had an event to commission and bless a, a new protest cross. This new protest cross is a beautiful cross. And Sarah was with Joel, who helped create it. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, uh, so Joel, uh, he's a priest out in Gleninus. Uh, he sourced the tree that consequently became the cross from his parents' farm in Pairata, I believe. And it was a dead tree, so it's not like we cut down a living (laughs) organism, but he uh, cut down this very dead um, pine tree and brought it to his house. And he actually brought a a selection of dead logs for me to have a look at and for us to sort of think, okay, what's going to be the most practical for a cross uh, to carry in, in protest? and this particular piece of pine that he had was not only beautiful, but also it was incredibly light. That is the main thing about this cross that's so unique in terms of differentiating it from the previous crosses. I remember at his house, we were just sort of like sanding it down and bolting it together and sort of creating the canvas, I guess, for this cross. But obviously, Just had felt uh, going forward that it would be really awesome to invite a community uh, of people to contribute into the making of this cross. So on Good Friday, we met at uh, Nelligan House, which is kind of, you know, Anglican central, right? It's where the bishop works and various other important people. Uh, And we gathered in the garden of Nelligan, Nelligan Gardens, I believe it's called, um, set up a little table and welcomed anyone who wanted to come to uh, burn sort of quotes or sayings, Bible verses, symbols, images into this cross. And one of the cool things as well is that we kept some of the patterns from the Melanesian cross quite intentionally. So there are some central designs on the Melanesian cross. You know, as you said before, those triangles, all those diamonds and things, uh, diamond shapes of the mother of pearl. And we burnt those in as well. And we also burnt in the design where those pieces had been lost, to kind of carry the story, I guess, of the Melanesian cross. That was really awesome. Quite a few people showed up, you know, so there's quite a few different languages on there as well, which I think really speaks well to the diversity of our church. And George Armstrong actually signed his name on there too. Now, he couldn't make it along to the actual event. But I emailed him and said, hey, could you sign your name on a piece of paper and and send it to me? And then I used graphite paper to transfer his signature onto the cross. And then we were able to burn it in. And there's also a bit of a memoriam to Bishop Jim as well. And since then, we've also burned in that the cross was commissioned by Bishop Ross, which I think is quite important.
1: He gave us a really lovely blessing. And I think he used the same blessing from the strike for climate, didn't he? I think so. Mm. I I can't remember now. I have to go pull out the liturgy because I've kept it, you know, for (laughs) historical purposes. (laughs) And what I found really amazing about that day is that we had a diversity of, of cultures and we had a diversity of ages. We had... Um, young kids around, um, some of them participated in putting designs onto the cross um, some just gathered with us which was cool, and we also had some more of our older congregation members with us as well so on the front of the cross there is some beautiful images that you put on there Sarah, that came from a guy in Texas, his name's Scott Erickson, he has these these symbols, he's lots of symbols, but these ones in particular are the seven last sayings of Jesus on the cross which was very fitting with it being Good Friday
0: yeah, so that was cool, I actually emailed Scott Erickson about this because I was so captured by these symbols, and you know, was thinking about the cross and some of the theology we might be able to carry forward as part of the story. And I said to him, I was like, hey, we've purchased this resource digitally uh, to use. Uh, would you be happy with us burning these symbols into the cross? And he was just like, yes, totally fine with that. So that that was really cool. As part of that as well, leading up to Good Friday, a just organized a reflection on those seven last seven sayings of Jesus. And they were reflected on through a protest hermeneutic. And I think that was a really important part of kind of folding in some of that theology to the cross. There were a lot of other symbols that were engraved in there as well. And so it's all become part of the story. You know, just before we jump into the the Good Friday happenings that followed, Grace, thank you for varnishing all of those stories in.
1: That is my pleasure. Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that this cross was preserved for future protests. So, yeah, it's varnished and sealed and and ready to go. It's waterproof, which is great. Woohoo! Especially in Auckland. (laughs) But there are some, some, some awesome designs on there. I think one of my favourites was, I think, put on by one of the younger members. It's a snail and it says push on, which I think is quite beautiful.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. So after the engraving of the cross, we moved into Stations in the Street, which was a Good Friday pilgrimage through the city. So we had twelve stations, no eleven stations, and they were some of them were placed at Nalligan House, some of them were at St Matthews in the City, and then the remaining ones were in All Saints, Ponsonby. The walk itself was actually quite long, and so I guess from that perspective we were able to test as well, like the versatility of this cross, and it was extremely light. I remember quite a number of people held it, Toby Walton and Rod Orham. Uh, myself and and actually many others, even the children, uh, carried it at various points. So that was quite special. Following that commissioning from Bishop Ross, it was a really beautiful way to take it out on its first outing, wasn't it?
1: It was awesome. I think there were so many really amazing moments of that pilgrimage and moments to pause and reflect on the journeys that we've been on to that point and the the ones that are to come.
0: So the, the next stage, I guess, on this cross's journey was taking it on its first protest, which I believe was less than a week later, wasn't it?
1: Sure was. So that, again, was the strike for climate in 2021.
0: Yeah, so we had a an arrangement with Karakia for our climate to kind of host some prayers for that at Altier Square before, but we actually started at the bottom of Queen Street, I believe, and then moved back up to Altier Square. That was really cool. We actually had a sign on the top of that cross for that protest, And it said, the earth has been crucified. And that was quite a provocative sign. And rightly so. And I think I remember uh, posting a photo of this and George actually commented on the photo underneath being like, this is sort of brilliant, like gospel drama. And that was the point, you know, it's to get people to think and to get people to react and engage with what it is that we're saying. And I guess the unique symbol that we could bring as Anglicans, as Christians, was the cross. And so how are we going to tie that narrative into the story of what is happening in our world? That was quite effective at bringing some communication and conversation around that element. Uh, But we also had little flags hanging up on it as well. And those were sort of segments from Franciscan thoughts and prayers as well. So that was quite nice to have that reflection too.
2: Uh, So this has been a bit of a longer podcast than we usually do, but that's because there was so many interesting things we wanted to talk about. We just hit pause on the recording because having heard all these stories about the creation of the new cross, I hadn't actually seen it up close. So Sarah has just gone to her office and retrieved it and we've spent some time looking at all the amazing pieces of work that have gone on uh, I in particular really wanted to see uh, the memorial words to Bishop Jim um, Bishop Jim was a really important person in my journey as he was for everyone uh, on the podcast today uh, a really special person and it's a really wonderful tribute to someone who is very important in our lives but all of the work and thought that's gone into it is it's really something to behold I think one of the things we're going to do soon is to document the various bits of art on this cross and maybe put them out on our Instagram feed so that everyone else can have a look in the coming weeks at all of the thought and detailing that's gone into this cross.
1: If you want a sneak preview to that there is also a couple of videos up on the Ordinary Saints Facebook page and the Adjust Facebook page of the creation of the cross and then also the Stations of the Street as well.
2: Thank you so much for coming and talking to us today, Grace. It's been a really, really fun time and a really interesting discussion of this important part of our life together.
0: Yeah, I've really loved uh, doing this with you and um, having all of us here. So, thank you, Grace, for coming
1: in. It's awesome. Thanks for having me.